Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of Enroute Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom with Bob Olson, who will now introduce today's show and speaker. Welcome to I Thought You'd Like to Know This Too, which is the Friday edition of uh, interviews with uh, more interesting people who may have a message for you. And we really have an interesting fellow tonight. Um, his name is Dr. Ralph Oligus, and he is, um, get this uh, straight here now, he is the professor of educational technology at Webster University in uh, St. Louis. And uh, a cradle Catholic, a cardinal baseball fan, a collector of carnivorous plants that he periodically loans to the botanical gardens, and the secretary of the board at ITEST, the Institute for Technical Encounter with Science and Technology. And welcome, Ralph. Good afternoon. Thank you, Bob. I, I'm glad you're available to have me on the program. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't miss that. I've uh, been spending some time talking about uh, eye tests uh, uh, last uh, few weeks. We had Tom Sheehan on, and last week we had Sister Carla, Sister Carla May Streeter. But uh, let's go back uh, to the beginning. And I mentioned that you are cradle Catholic. Tell us a little bit about your Catholic upbringing. Well, I was born uh, almost uh, 59 years ago. I'm 58. My birthday is in December. Um, I was born in St. Louis, grew up here in St. Louis. I went to a Catholic grade school, Our Lady of Providence, which I now am a member of the parish as well. Um, I went to a Catholic high school, St. John Vianney High School in, in Kirkwood, Missouri. And then I went to St. Louis University for my Bachelor of, of uh, Arts degree in mathematics and certification in education for secondary education. Um, while I was there, I had been brought up Catholic throughout, and I took a very neat course uh, taught by a rabbi on Jewish philosophy just to get something different in my life since I've been in Catholic, raised entire uh, life in, in Catholic schools. And uh, it really opened my eyes because the Catholic faith, as most people know, comes from the Jewish faith. And so seeing a Seder meal, um, learning about some of the Jewish customs added meaning to the Catholic faith uh, that I was raised on. Um, I continued with my education at St. Louis University and did a master's degree in mathematics, um, about which half of the time was computer science courses, but they were all labeled math because it was just the air. It hadn't been broken, uh, um, separated out. Um, and then I went on uh, and did a doctorate in education with a computer software emphasis there. And, uh, and finally, I did an MBA there as well. Um, my mom was very sick at the time, and so uh, uh, staying in school allowed me to defer loans, gave me another degree, 
and it gave me time to spend with her while you know in her last few years of life. So it was it was it was uh, uh, important to me. I've been a Catholic all my life. Um, uh, one thing that a few friends know is, and they they kind of tease me about it, is that I've only ma missed mass four times in my 58 years. And uh, I always tell them that twice twice was due to illness. I was about 10 years old. And I was in the bathroom. My mom wouldn't let me go to church. She said, you're just too sick. And another time was about five years ago when I was too sick to get out of the bathroom. It was like, I just can't, you know, can't go. And then the other tw two times were due to God's hand of blizzards. Uh, one in 1982. I remember that well because uh, it was January 30th. It was a Saturday. We were supposed to get snow. And it was just raining all day heavily. And uh, um, it finally turned to snow maybe about 7 o'clock at night. And so I, I went to bed, and I thought, oh, let it snow, let it snow. Well, it turned out when I got up in the morning, we had already 12 inches on the ground and was still coming down heavily. And so uh, the churches, while the churches were open, no one really could get there. I mean, if you were able to walk to it, maybe you could have got there. But... Uh, um, no one could drive anywhere because it kept coming down as a blizzard. And uh, so that was 1982. In fact, most businesses and, 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 and churches were closed for the next several days. And then the other time was in 1994. I was driving back from Florida, and we hit a blizzard uh, as we came into southern Georgia, and we got to Atlanta, and we just got socked in with snow, and we couldn't get, you know, we couldn't move at that point. So, wow. Uh, so God, in that sense, in this sense of humor, says, um, you know, you're not going to get to church these two times. But that's that's just the way things are sometimes. you got to have a little humor in, in things. That's amazing. And uh, congratulations. Uh, this, um, it's, uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing, daily mass. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I work with a priest in Cincinnati. Father Al Lauer, and he, he has a radio program that I uh, edit right now because he died back in '02. And he, uh, he always says many times on the program, he said, going to Mass today is the best thing you can do. It's not having a Dunkin' Donut. That's, that's not the best thing. The best thing you can do is go to daily Mass. Right. And for me, I mean, Mass is, is a community. It's a community of friends, right. uh, just like some of my hobbies are. You know, a lot of my friends are, are priests, nuns, etc. Yeah. Um, there was a, a very good friend. I met her in graduate school at St. Louis University. Um, she went on and got her doctorate in mathematics while I was doing my master's. And uh, she ended up teaching at the College of Notre Dame in Maryland for about, I don't know, 30 years or so. And uh, uh, when she retired from there, um, she had her 60th Jubilee. And I came to Baltimore just for that, to, to visit her, the, the, the mass there, the lunch, um, and just spend a few hours there. And, 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 you know, this past year she just died. Um, I try to call friends maybe every six to eight weeks. And uh, I called her March 11th. And uh, on March 23rd, about 12 days later, she passed away. Um, you know, 
she she wasn't really sick. Um, I found out that she passed away when her bit was was uh, printed here in the St. Louis Re Review because she was a, a member of the Sisters of Notre Dame from the St. Louis Province, and uh, um, the Sisters in Baltimore sent me a nice mass card that they had uh, with her picture on it and so forth uh, because uh, of her passing away. And uh, but it, it was a it was a truly a blessing. Uh, her life intermingled with mine, the connections we've had, um, just chatting on the phone, visiting from time to time when she'd come to St. Louis or I'd, I'd go east to, to Baltimore. And it, it's those connections that you form by going to Mass, by being part of a community, etc. cetera. Um, today is the first Friday of the month, and so on the first Friday of the month, I try to make it to daily Mass. Um, Sometimes I, I, I choose other days, like the, the Feast of the Sacred Heart, and make it a Mass on those days as well. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I, I don't get the Mass every day of the week, um, but when I do, it, it's truly a, a um, joy-filled moment of my life. Um, so that's why the Sunday Mass is so much. Imagine receiving the body and blood of Christ every day. It's available, <clears throat> right? And that and that's that's one of the things. Um, just you know, just just that moment uh, in our faith when the priest says, you know, this is my body or this is my blood. It's that moment that. Christ becomes present in the Eucharist. Um, and so that it's just that exact moment, each time whichever priest says Mass, Christ becomes present there. And, it, and it's, uh, it's truly amazing, our faith. That's right. Uh, Let's see. What? Oh, when, so you went through uh, St. Louis University. Uh, so many young people tell me, you know, that I kind of fell away, but you never fell away. No, I didn't. Um, and I mean, I listen to different people, friends I've had, even young people now, because I teach at a university, and. Uh, um, They'll say, you know, I had this to do, or I, I didn't feel real well, or, you know, I need to go out to this event, or my friends, or I stayed up late last night, whatever. I mean, you can come up with a, a million different excuses not to go. It's easy not to attend. Um, it's much harder, I think, uh, to try and make that commitment to attend each week. And while... <laughs> Some people may, you know, perfect. I'm not perfect, but while some people may once in a while, it, it's it's trying to make that commitment on a weekly basis to to make it to man, um, not let other things get in, get in its way. Um, you know, I have demands on my time too, and so so sometimes I have to, uh, you know, I go to Saturday mass, Saturday evening mass for Sunday. Sometimes I'll go to a different mass on Sunday. Um, I tend to like the early mass on Sunday uh, to start off the day 
uh, in God's presence, but but uh, um, if that's if that doesn't work out, you know I don't like to miss mass, and so I'll, I'll make sure I've attended Saturday, you know, later on Sunday, Sunday evening, whatever whatever I can, you know, get it to to, to work so that I don't miss mass. That's wonderful. Now, after you graduated from uh, St. Rose University, were you able to start using your uh, degrees right away? Um, my mom was sick, and so uh, I wanted to stay in the area. So I, I actually ended up using more of the technological background, and I ended up working for a while at St. Louis University uh, in the computer science uh, um, support uh, division. Um, the IT, which we would call today, and so uh, you know, I, I worked there for about nine years, and then uh, um, as I saw openings, I thought, you know, I'd rather use the degrees that I've earned in, in a in a different fashion, and so I looked around, and uh, Webster University in St. Louis had an opening for someone for a professor in educational technology, so I applied. And in fact, that's a, that may be an interesting story. Um, it was December of uh, 2000, and uh, I, I saw the ad. I sent it off on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. On December 8th, I mailed the application into Webster University to apply for the position. And that same day, I flew out with a good friend of mine, that, uh, Dr. Teresa Johnson, that worked at, at St. Louis University in the foreign language department. And she happens to be a Mexican citizen, so we went to Mexico together. Her sister was in the convent, and we were able to stay in the convent at that point in guest rooms. Uh, they had four guest rooms, so her and I each had a room. And uh, um, we were able to go to the uh, basilica there um, where the tilma uh, um, is, is stored for the, for the Juan Diego when the Blessed Mother appeared to him and had the imprint of roses on the inside uh, there in the uh, shrine in Mexico City. And so that was really a, a nice privilege there. Um, and then uh, uh, and we were there for about a week, which was really, really nice. And uh, at that point, uh, sometime in early February, uh, Western University gave me a call, and I was able to interview for the position. And uh, by March of, of 2001, I uh, was uh, uh, asked um, if I would accept the position, and I became an assistant professor at that point. And over the years, I got promoted. And so now here in, in June, I was promoted of uh, 2017, promoted to professor of educational technology. and. Uh, um, I'm happy very much for that. It's a, it's a nice university. Um, it is not Catholic. It happens to be a secular institution. But we're, we're, Webster does something very nice and allows each of us to be very individualistic in the sense of uh, you can go in different directions and promote you know, whatever it is you believe in. So people there know I am Catholic. You know, I don't hold it over their head, but on the other hand, if they ask about it, I feel free to talk about it. It's not, you know, it's not like I can't speak about my faith and about 
my connections to God. And so I'm very happy about that. Webster does promote um, people being individuals and and uh, doesn't discourage us from talking about whatever it is uh, we believe in. Now, uh, ITES is not uh, connected with Webster University, right? That is correct. ITES is a separate uh, uh, function. And maybe for the people that uh, um, are first tuning in, uh, ITES stands for the Institute for Theological Encounter with Science and Technology. It's where faith and science meet, basically. And so a Jesuit priest, Father Rungs, started the uh, institute almost 50 years ago. And uh, the, the thing about it is they try to put on a conference every year something about faith and something about science and how they don't um, counter one another, but rather science and faith can support one another. And so this year's um, uh, conference is on the Shroud of Turin, and I kind of love, and for those people in St. Louis or can get to St. Louis, it's on Thursday night, October 26, 2017, from 5 to 9 p.m. at Kendrick Glennon Seminary. And, and so um, it it's, it's, it's only costs us $20 to go to the conference, but they'll choose topics such as that this year. In the past, they've chose economic justice as a topic and how does faith play a part of that. Um, they've chosen other topics on, on cybersecurity and faith. So, so what they do each year is they pick something in the science that they think would be of interest to people, and they look at it with how faith complements it, how faith can enhance it, how the science does not disparage you know, the faith. And so uh, it's a neat way of, of uh, mixing my work as technology, which is very secular at Western University, with my faith, and where I can put those two together as part of eye test, uh, where they encourage the interaction of faith and theology. So I think that's a kind of a neat mix for me. Um, I found that niche, and uh, uh, I've enjoyed it very much. Well, we've been talking about that, too, um, the fact that we don't have to be afraid of science. Science and and uh, and religion is, uh, you know, works very well together. And that's true. I mean, there's been several great scientists over the years who have been Catholic. I mean, many people may not realize this, but Father Gregor Mendel, a monk, that's where he studied heredity and genetics. And so the whole field of genetics comes from a lot from the work that he did hundreds of years ago. Um, another Jesuit priest, Father George Lamatra, um, from Europe, I believe, um, he talked about how the the universe keeps expanding. And I think when he met uh, Albert Einstein, he showed Professor Einstein um, 
how the universe keeps expanding and that we as Catholics believe that there was a first part to the universe. If it keeps expanding, there has to be some beginning to it. And we as Catholics believe that beginning was God. Um, and so scientists have played a great deal in helping science and promoting science and showing that science and faith can interact and not be at odds with one another. That's right. What, uh, what's your main responsibility at iTest? Well, um, I work closely with the director, um, help as a secretary, uh, to the board and, and, and help with the minutes for our board meetings. Um, the board is, is somewhat uh, um, instrumental in providing ideas, in discussing ideas for the next conference that we, you know, that we keep planning out. Like I said, this year is the Shroud of Turin. We're already planning the 2018 conference. We're looking to the future, 2019, et cetera. And so as we do that, um, Part of our, my responsibility, part of the board's responsibility is to kind of pick a topic that is current, that is useful, and, and it's meant for the layperson to get their hands around it and seeing how science has, has influenced that topic and how our faith has influenced that topic. And so um, we have some theologians on the board, like Sister Carla May, um, Sister Marianne Postiglione, um, and we have some lay people on the, on the board, uh, like Tom Sheehan, who's, who's a physicist, um, myself as a technologist, uh, Sebastian Mahfoud, who's a, a technologist, and so um, Maybe sort of an entrepreneur as well, and and there are other board members like Father uh, Earl, who who's a theologian um, as well, and so that that kind of gets us a sense of you know how can we bring theology into this topic? Um, what are the perspectives we need to to, to place in the, in the conference? that will help educate people along the way. Um, you know, it's not just about the science, but how that science and faith interact and support one another. Very interesting. Now, uh, let's talk about some of your hobbies. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, for example, and uh, you've been a fan for ever since what youngster? Yeah, probably uh, probably about 1970 or so, because I was about 10, 11 years old at that time. And so uh, I followed them um, in the 70s. The main players were Lou Brock uh, stealing bases and Bob Gibson pitching. Um, we did win the World Series in 82, but then we had a long drought until 2006, and then 2011 we won again. And uh, as we started to make the playoffs in the 1990s, 
Um, I'd go to, from probably 1970 to 1995 or so, I'd go to maybe 20 to 40 games a year. And then finally in the late 90s, um, it was harder to get playoff tickets because they were being sold or I was working when they were selling them, et cetera. And so I became a season ticket holder in 2001. And uh, my dad and I would go to the games uh, together. And then as my dad got older and he needed a rest, um, I'd, I'd invite friends to the games, et cetera. And I guess, I guess the connection to my faith is um, they speak of cardinal nation. They speak of it as a family. And you, you have that sense of community and family that you have at church. It's not quite the same thing as the, as the church community, the church family. Um, but, it, but it is a family, a community as well. And uh, um, um, there was one year, uh, well, the new stadium opened in 2006, and so I gave my sisters my tickets or whatever so she could get a new stadium, friends, et cetera. And then uh, because it was sold out every night, so you really had to have tickets to get in. And then uh, in 2007, everything just fell into place. And I was able to make all 81 home games. And so it came down to the very end. It was like around September 19th, 20th, 21st, something like that in 2007. When my dad and I was at the game on a Friday night, and there was only two more home games Saturday and Sunday, and my brother-in-law called and said, could he and my sister have the tickets for Sunday? And I said, no way. I said, I said if you called me in May, you could have any game you wanted, but... I only have two more games to go. I can go to them. I won one perfect season making all 81 home games. Um, and generally, I make about 65 to 72 each year. So, I mean, I give it away. It's, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's fine. You know, I don't have to be at the game every game. I enjoy it. It's a hobby. Um, but that one year was special. And even though we didn't win anything that year, um, it was that time that I spent with my dad that year. Um, now, he didn't go to all 81, but I was able to, and uh, uh, it was kind of special. And so I keep looking back and said, well, was that selfish? And I thought, no, once in a while you need to do something for yourself when you're that close. You know, and that's why I said, I said, if you'd asked me any other time for them, like in May or something, you'd have had them, you know. But that one year, I only had two more games, and I really wanted to have one perfect season. It was kind of fun um, to do that. Speaking of sports, um, I think uh, Sebastian mentioned that I was a hockey broadcaster for 35 years. Oh, wow. Uh, Michigan Tech University. And uh, we happened to win the Frozen Four, the... Uh, Final Four in college hockey, right there in St. Louis. Oh wow! What's the name of the professional arena? I think they've changed the name of it a couple of times, but well, probably at that point it would have been the the arena or the barn they called it down on Hampton Avenue. Um, now uh, it's the Savage Center, um, so it's moved down into the city. And uh, and that's where the St. Louis Blues play now, and and uh, on hockey. I can't remember now. It's been a few years ago. But uh, let's talk about uh, uh, your other hobby, 
and uh, how you got started, you say you belong to three different plant cup, uh, three different plant clubs, Henry Shaw Cactus and Succulent Society, the Carnivorous Plant Society, and the Gateway West. Help me out on the third word. Just Nary okay. Society. And so, um, um, that's a strange ahead. hobby. Um, I guess uh, as a small boy, about 10, my mom, even though she didn't like cactus, uh, gave me a small cactus, and uh, I just enjoyed growing it, and so I learned, and so as I've gotten older, I've joined different plant societies because then you start to learn about plants and how to care for them, and those societies, clubs become like communities as well, like the church community, only it's a different type of community, obviously. Um, and so I like to uh, go to, to the different plant meetings. They have, uh, we put on local shows here in St. Louis. Um, the, because of, of my work, I'm more free in the summer, and so the Henry Shaw Cactus and Sucking Society, which occurs in the summer, their show, um, I'm able to go ahead and enter more entries in there. And so I'll have something like 50, 50 to 55 entries or so in, in, in the month of June or July whenever they have their show and sale, uh, whereas the Carnivorous Plant Society is in late May, uh, maybe the 1st of June, and the Gateway West Gisneria Society show is in September. And so during the, the when I have classes or whatever, it's a little bit hard to, to enter, but I do enter uh, some plants in, in, in those shows as well. Um, the Henry Shaw Cactus Society um, uh, has a couple different areas that they, you can enter in. One is the decorative section, and the other is the plant section. And uh, in the decorative section, I have a good friend who's, who is a Christian. Um, she's not Catholic. She, in fact, her birthday was just uh, earlier this week, and she turned 80. And uh, so we have a sort of friendly competition. And this year she beat me in the decorative sw uh, sweepstakes section. Um, the last two years I had beaten her, uh, but this year she beat me. And so it's, it's a nice rivalry we got. And uh, uh, even though she's, she is uh, not Catholic but Christian, um, she's a great woman of faith. And her and I, uh, her name is Barbara, her and I uh, interact in many ways, both on the on our faith level and also on the plant level, um, I did get a blue ribbon for the education poster. Uh, it was one of two blue ribbons that they gave out out of the four posters. Um, this year, the other person that entered, they chose hers over mine as the as the overall winner in the education section, whereas I had won it the prior two years. Um, uh, the one thing I did win this year was the best bonsai in the Cactus and Succulent Society uh, um, plant area. So, uh, you know, it's neat to compete. Um, it's neat to, to talk about your faith with other members um, that share a similar faith. Not everyone in there is Christian. Not everyone is Catholic. But it is fun, you know, interact with people. Um, carnivorous plants are things like uh, um, oh, pitcher plants, Venus flytraps, most people would know, 
sun dews. Um, the Gateway West Cisneriad Society, Cisneriad includes a flower that most people would have in their homes, the African violet, but then the Cisneriad encompasses much more than the African violet. It encompasses all kinds of other plants uh, in terms of it. And so in those, in the Gateway West Cisneriad Society sh show, which is coming up this weekend, um, I will enter maybe about five or six entries. Um, and and, and it's, just, it's just fun to compete. I will enter an educational poster, um, and that's, uh, that's part of what I do, you know, as education. So those are the kinds of things that, that uh, make sense. What I teach my students, I do a first-year seminar on global gardens and tea. And so we look at different uh, tea ceremonies, different gardens throughout the world, Japanese, Chinese, English woodland. And then at the end of the, the, uh, at the, end of the course, the Mexico is pick a country and, and focus on the gardens of, of the country they chose. But the, the point I'm trying to make is these plants come from all over the world. And so it gives you a chance to understand other parts of the world, South Africa, Madagascar, the Mexico, the uh, Central America, et cetera, um, other parts of the states, the southern states, like uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Texas, et cetera. And so um, part of it is just learning, learning about plants, um, we're learning about people in different parts of the world and how you interact with different people and how these plants thrive on different conditions. And, and you can see that and how God's hand has had a great deal of, of pretty, not only among the plant community, but in the world at large. Wow. Well, that's... You have a very interesting life there, my friend. Thank you. I think so. Um, I never have a dull moment. Um, it's hard sometimes making everything work because um, I'll have a weekend when I'll have two or three things on the same weekend together, and I'll have another weekend when I have nothing. And so when you have two or three at the same time, you've got to kind of yeah. Okay. How can we get to each of these? And once in a while, things have to give. I mean, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to miss it this time. I'll catch it next month or whatever, because these plant societies meet once a month generally. Um, and so, you know, I don't like to miss them, but once in a while, you know, you just have to do what you have to do. But uh, it is fun. Um, there was one. Uh, one time at the Gateway West Justinarian Society, this was probably about three or four years ago, there was a plant I wasn't going to enter and because uh, it was kind of small and it had some flowers on it, but I thought, oh, okay, I wasn't sure about it. And I just entered it at the last moment and, and it happened to win the best in show because what they do there, that, that one is they, they only give up one blue, one red, one yellow ribbon per category. And then after they've done this, they look at the whole section, which might be made up of five to ten categories, and choose one as best in that section. 
And then they look at each of the sections and choose one out among all those section winners as best to show. And uh, the plant that I didn't think a whole lot of that I entered at the last moment was the one that won best in show, and I thought, well, that just goes to show you sometimes God has a hand in things and fools you. When you think something's not quite as good, it turns out to be maybe the best. It's just interesting in the surprises that he has in, he has in store for each of us uh, that nurtures us through our faith. So you've uh, you've spent uh, all of your life there in St. Louis, huh? Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, I do enjoy traveling. Um, I travel uh, on vacation uh, once or once during the year, and then I go to different conferences as well and travel to different cities. And when I travel to different cities, I'll, I'll try and you know see the botanical gardens or whatever. Uh, this past summer, I traveled out west. I drove because I prefer driving over flying. I'll fly when I have to, but but if I can, I choose to drive. And I drove out west, and I decided uh, um, because I wanted to go to the National Cactus and Succulent Conference, which was being held in Tempe, Arizona this year. The National Cactus and Succulent Conference occurs every every other year on the odd numbered years, and the local or regional conferences occur every other year on the even numbered years. And so since 2017 is an odd numbered year, they held the national conference. They happened to be in Tempe, Arizona. And I thought, well, this is a chance. It's an opportunity to go out there um, and see the painted desert, the petrified forest, the Grand Canyon, which I hadn't seen in about 45 years, because that was the last time I traveled by car um, to Arizona. And uh, just to see that again, you know, is, is sometimes a total wonder or amazement. And as I drove through that and, you know, seeing how God had made all, all of that so beautiful, um, I came down through Sedona to the National Cactus Conference in Tempe, and uh, there for about five days as we went on different field trips, uh, different people from different parts of the world came in and spoke on the different types of plants and where they came, where they came from. So you learn a little bit about different countries or different areas of the world, and uh, you see and mix with people, and you see that God has been in different ways. Um, you know, it's a community as well. And uh, on the way back, I stopped off in Shawnee, Oklahoma, at a friend's wife. I stayed with him and his wife overnight on my way back to St. Louis and uh, um, did something interesting there. Um, we did the rosary as we walked around the neighborhood. Um, his wife, Celine, would, would start the first part of the rosary, and then my friend Paul and myself would complete it, the second part of the prayers, the Hail Marys, the Our Fathers. And I had never done it walking um, like that. Uh, my parish has the rosary in it on Monday night, and we do two of them. We do the, the traditional rosary in one half hour, like seven, 
seven uh, uh, thirty to eight, and we do the Divine Mercy Chapter from seven to seven thirty. And so I usually come and, and do both rosaries, but we're kneeling or we're sitting there uh, saying the rosary. And so this is a different experience that I that you know my friends Catholics. Um, but I did not know that they had said the rosary while they walked the neighborhood. Um, they have two sons. So they, they say the rosary for each of their sons uh, who are all married and live in other parts of the country. So they say two rosaries every night when they walk. And it was a, it was a different experience to see how they, they, um, how the rosary played a part of their faith and the need to, to be able to join in with them and saying it was 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 uh, good, um, but every week my parish has two rosaries, and uh, I make probably fifty percent of them because you know there's other commitments I have. Uh, from Webster, we go down to St. Peter and Paul and help feed the homeless on one Monday night a month, and so it's at the same time as the rosary. So I've got to make a choice, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. They're all good things, but you got to make choices, and so that's why I say, you know, out of the out of the uh, year, 52 weeks in a year, I probably make half of them at my parish, saying the rosary with other members of the parish, and uh, um, the other half, um, you know, doing other things because, like I said, things a lot of times happen on the same night, the same day, and you've got to make choices. And it's it's not that one choice is better than another, but sometimes you know if you make a commitment to help feed the homeless in one case, um, you know that's a worthwhile call just as well as it is say the rosary. I think. Just think, <clears throat> your uh, interest in the plants came at just your mother gave you that little cactus plant, huh? How old were right. you about? You, you were about ten. Yeah, I was about ten. She um, she really didn't like cacti, but I sort of fell in love with it. And and you know, you grow plants. Um, anyone that grows plants, if you grow enough plants, you've killed enough plants over time. Um, but you learn what you you know mistakes you made if you gave it too much water, not enough water. Not the right soil, too much soil, not enough light, too much light, and uh, you learn from your mistakes, and and uh, you know you try and do better. And I think that's the same thing for us as Christians. You know, um, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. We all fall by the uh, wayside from time to time. But to get up, you know, come back, and and. Uh, try to rejuvenate our, our Christian lives. Um, and that's why when earlier you asked about missing Mass, um, there's always an excuse to miss Mass. You can, there's plenty of excuses. The, the real thing is, once you've missed, is to come get back and, and, and go to church again. And I mean, just like the priest, just like us, none of us are perfect. You know, one priest may be more interesting than another in terms of a sermon. Um, you know, maybe find one that's, uh, that speaks to you. Um, 
you know, because I've had I've had multiple priests friends and priests in parish over the years, and and obviously some are better preachers than others. Um, doesn't mean I miss that because you know Father so and so doesn't speak well, um, but you can all you know priests come and go. You can always find a different priest that maybe has a way of providing sermon that speaks to you. And, and you know, encourages you to come and hear him speak again. And just think your mother also um, was a, had a big factor in your your upbringing as a Catholic, huh? Yeah, she, she, uh, my dad never made much money. I mean, when he retired at the age of 65, he only made $17,000 a year, which was not a lot of money. Um, but she found a way to, to stretch the budget, to do without things, to provide for me, my brother, my sister, so that we would go to Catholic grade school, uh, Catholic high school, and then to Catholic University. And uh, um, we never seemed to have enough money, but she always found a way to make the money we did have stretch, and she always made sure we had everything we needed. Um, not necessarily everything we wanted, but everything we needed. Um, sometimes we had to wait for things to do without for a while, um, but if we really wanted something, she would find a way um, for us to, to be able to go there or to buy that item um, over time. And, uh, um, you know, she was certainly a role model for me, an epitome of faith. And even as she was uh, dying, um, she never lost her faith in God. Um, it was a very moving experience to her last day. Um, in fact, my dad died some 22 years after she did. Um, more, let's see, let me think. She died in 91 and he died in 2013. So what would that be? Uh, 13... Yeah, 22 years. But 22 years later. Uh, wow. About a week apart. Uh, in fact, my dad died about a week uh, just prior to uh, Stan Musial passing away, who's a cardinal great. Um, my dad lived to be not quite 89. He was 88 and 11 months. Um, Stan Musial lived to be 92, but they died about a week apart in January of 1990. Uh, I'm sorry, January of 2013. And... Uh, um, so there's all kinds of little connections that you see as God's plan is revealed for us over time. Um, you know, you start to make these connections and you start to see how they play out. And that doesn't mean I always know what God's mind is or will is or plan is. But from time to time, I think he, he releases tidbits for us. And so... Um, there's connections in our lives that we're not always aware of, 
And then when something happens, whether it's a, a family event such as a birth, a marriage, a death, um, they see a bit of that connection taking place. Um, you know, like my dad died almost 22 years apart, minus about a week or two. Um, my dad died the same year as Stan Angel died, Cardinal Great about a week apart. Um, so these things all have connect connections, and uh, I'm not sure what all of them are, but uh, those are the ones I've seen so far, he, or God has revealed to me so far. Did you ever see a San Musial play? No. Unfortunately, um, San Musial uh, um, last year was 1963. And uh, he retired at the end of 1963, and I was only about five years old at that point. And so I, I really don't, you know, I really didn't see him. Um, I bet your dad told you a lot about him. Oh, yeah, he did. He did. And he, he would say lots of things. And, and uh, Stan was a really, really nice man, my dad said, because um, he did so many wonderful things for charity. He was always very mm -hmm. nice when you'd meet him. Um, and so I, I think that's important. I mean, that's one of the things I've tried to do in my life is be nice when you meet someone and, and have interactions with them um, because I think that part of our Christianity rubs off on other people. And whether that, you know, that makes them Catholic or Christian, that may not, but, but they'll realize that we are Catholic. And I think that's the most important, or one of the most important things of our faith. So your dad was the one that uh, really brought, brought you into baseball. What, well, how old were you when you saw your first baseball game? Probably, um, I'd probably say about 1970, when I was probably about 12 years old, 11, 12 years old. Wow. And so we... We, you know, he never made a lot of money, but we'd go to as many games as we could, um, and it was a fun experience. It was just a good time, and over the years, uh, uh, we increased it as I started to, you know, make money in a job. Um, it would allow us to go to more games, and it was fun, and eventually, as I, I worked full-time, uh, I was able to return the favor and get season tickets and bring him along for games uh, um, that he enjoyed in his later life. And uh, it was a time to just spend time with him each night during the summer uh, as he grew older. And, I mean, he went through the th – with me throughout the 20 uh, – from you know, throughout the 2011 season when we won, won the world championship. And uh, – um, it wasn't until after the Colonels won the World Series in 2011, the next night he had a small stroke, and then that's when he started to go down from there. Um, he wasn't able to go with me in 2012 to the baseball game, and then uh, he entered hospice and died in January of 2013. So... Uh, but it was, it, it's a fun time that I will always remember those years that I was able to spend with him uh, doing something that we loved at the ball game and doing something that uh, was meaningful to both of us 
And like I said, that, that, that there's a sense of community there. And I think that's part of what our Catholic Church is, is a community, a community of believers. Uh, and in each of these activities, whether it's a hobby, uh, a social event, or church, um, they are all communities. Um, now, obviously, the communities differ from one another. Um, focus maybe on plants or on sport or uh, on our faith. Um, but sometimes you meet people and you become a, a smaller community within each of those communities where your faith is important uh, as well as your plants to some of the people in the club. Uh, for other people in the club, you know, they may not be the same faith and may not have that same bond, which is fine. I mean, we're all people. But but it's that faith that that brings us and reinforces that community aspect of our faith. I think. How about the Molinas? Huh? Yeah, I mean Molina, uh, Tony Larusa was Catholic. Um, you know. And, and I think it's important at some of the baseball games, some of them have come out after the game, and they'll have a Christian family day, and they'll speak wow. about their faith. And that's always a moving event. Um, you know, not everyone's going to be Christian, not everyone's going to be Catholic, but just to hear them speak, and they'll bring other players out there Christian that are not necessarily Catholic, and speak about their faith. And, and we realize that we're in this together and that God has a plan for all of us. Excuse me a second. Has a plan for all of us. And that um, one day, the plan will be totally revealed and we'll, we'll see it. Um, and we'll know how and why each connection uh, took place as part of his plan. Of course, uh, Pujols was a strong Christian. I don't believe he was a Catholic, though. I think you're correct. Uh, um, uh, I know the former manager, Tony Russo, was Catholic. The current manager is Christian, Mike Matheny, but I don't think he's Catholic. Uh, at least I'm not aware of it. Um, Pujols, I don't believe, was Catholic, but he's a strong Christian. Um, and... Uh, you know, man, he's still going strong. God has a plan for us, and and some of us, you know, may be Catholic, others may not. But that doesn't mean we're not part of God's family. Yeah, I felt bad when Pujols left St. Louis myself. Yeah, I think we've missed him. Uh, I mean, this year the team has struggled basically at five hundred. Um, we've missed that big bat in the middle. That's right. Uh, the lineup like Pujols, like. Uh, uh, Matt Holiday provided last year. In That's right. Oh, yeah. well. I forgot about him. And uh, he was a Catholic, or he was a Christian too. And I mean, you know, um, and that doesn't mean there aren't other players that are Christian, but um, those big bats in the lineup have uh, been missing this year. And so the team, while they're a game over 500 right now, they've played basically at 500 ball the entire season each month has been basically either 500 or one game over or one game under 500. So, I mean, they've been fairly consistent. They've been fairly a, a 500 team this year. So, 
Um, whereas in other years, they've won at a, a much higher clip. This year, they have not uh, done that. Well, Ralph, Dr. Ralph, we're out of time. Oh, wow. Has it been that long already? I know. Isn't that something? We've yeah. been talking to uh, Dr. Ralph August, who um, is uh, at uh, Webster University in St. Louis, a cradle Catholic. As I said before, a Cardinal baseball fan, collector of carnivorous plants, and uh, Secretary of the Board of Directors of ITES, the Institute for Technological Encounter with Science and Technology. It's a very, uh, been a very interesting, uh, very interesting interview. I think you gave us a lot of things to think about and talk about. And we'll be back with another edition of uh, I Thought You'd Like to Know This Too next week, same time, same station. And uh, thank you again, uh, Dr. Ralph. And uh, between next week, between now and next week, may God bless us, protect us, uh, and lead us uh, from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the program, and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafud. Good day.